For men who generally has precious little to say, and even then says it only two or three times a year, Kevin Colbert sure had a lot to offer yesterday in Indianapolis. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. The NFL scouting combine opened yesterday and Colbert did his annual turns out there with the assembled media and among the many things that he offered that I found interesting were his disclosure that Stefan Tuitt does in fact want to play football in 2022 were his further disclosure that the Steelers might or might not be interested in having to it back. At least he found a really, really delicate way to phrase that. Sounds like it might be a money thing. Usually does come down to money. And I'll place at the top of my own little pile when ranking all this, his comments about Juju Smith-Schuster's status within the organization as he again appears ready to embark on free agency. Juju did a great um, comeback from the, the shoulder injury that he suffered. And much to our surprise, he was available to us late in the season in the playoff game. And we commend him for doing that, for putting his free agency thoughts aside and just trying to help us win a playoff game. And uh, we take that into account, and we really give him credit for having done that. So Juju's been a great player for us. He's still a young player as well, so we'll definitely take that look. It's funny. Everyone says almost reflexively that the Steelers are this super secretive organization. It's tough to read what they want to do and that you can double all of that when it comes to Colbert. And I've never really seen it that way. I've always felt like, to an extent, Colbert in particular will telegraph his intentions. Now, he'll do it in a way that any result is possible. He's not going to state it in some definitive manner. But then what sports executive does that? If you ask me, hearing all of that, he wants Juju back. And you know what? I'm okay with that. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online. Maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Yeah, of course, Juju got hurt, missed most of the season, came back in uh, admirable fashion to participate in the playoff game in Kansas City. And all of this came a year after a nagging, if barely spoken of, knee issue really slowed him down through 2020. Both of those obviously disappointments to the team, and very much so, I'm sure more so, to the athlete. To add to that, more from a bigger scope perspective, it feels like, and this is just me talking here, it feels to me 
like we still haven't seen the return of the rookie Juju, the explosive Juju, the one who made big plays off the line of scrimmage. And yeah, 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 I know. Antonio Brown was part of that offense, and A.B. pulled all kinds of attention away, and that's why Juju had the extra lanes. I was there too. But when I watched Juju, just number 19, I saw him do things with his physical abilities that I have not seen since that season pulling away from people, creating his own separation with cuts that I haven't seen him make since then. That, to me, is a concern. The injury history, to anyone, will be a concern, at least as much as you'd consider that fair, you know, in the context of everybody also applauding that he's the team's most physical wide receiver by a broad margin, and he can be a part of an effective running game. Can't have it both ways. So what I've got on Juju here as a stance in 2022 is really very little different than what I had at this time in 2021, and that's this. I don't believe you're going to see an NFL team offer him on the open market any kind of substantial contract. Why? Because we just witnessed this scene a year ago, and no one did. I also don't believe you're going to see a team go markedly higher than the $8 million that he got on that term from the Steelers. You can believe whoever you want, whether it's Juju and his agent, or the people associated with the Ravens and the Chiefs who denied hotly that They were in over the Steelers in the bidding. But the indisputable fact remains that he signed a contract for one year and $8 million, and he stayed right here in Pittsburgh in large part, and I believe him on this count, out of a sense of loyalty, not just to all the usual, you know, Rooney family and Mike Tomlin and everything else, but also because of the medical staff that had done extensive work with him. That medical staff was entirely intact this past season and allowed him, and I'm sure deserved a lot of credit for his appearance there in Kansas City. I'm okay with a year and $8 million again. I'm okay even if it goes up a little bit. And the reason for that should be obvious. This team needs him. This team needs that player, even if he isn't ever again the rookie version of Juju, the one that appeared in the Super Bowl's 100th anniversary commercial with all those all-time greats, and you're thinking, whoa, this is going to become a living legend. This team could use just basic, plain old Juju. Nice slot receiver, catches most everything that's thrown his way, throws his weight around without fear, contributes to your rushing attack. All of that seems like a pretty nice fit for Pittsburgh in addition to what everyone, everyone, everyone on the inside will attest is an impeccable teammate. When we come back, just one question.
Welcome back. Today's J1Q comes from Cole Evans. And it doesn't really look a Q, but I love it anyway. Cole says, DK, you're scaring me with this acceptance period of Mason Rudolph. Cole, my man, what gives you the notion that I've accepted Rudolph? I don't really see it as accepting if you mean in the settling context, like, oh, well, Mason Rudolph's going to be my quarterback. I have accepted this, and I am just going to take my punishment and go on living a lie or something like that. I mean, he's an NFL quarterback. I think we can at least, all of us, agree on that much. He's been put in some weird, awkward, and in this franchise's history, unprecedented situations if you go back over his mostly tumultuous tenure here, unless you can rattle off some long list of quarterbacks who'd been slugged over the head with a helmet, falsely accused of being a racist, and I don't remember what all else, had his shoulder blown out later that same season in East Rutherford after he'd battled back and looked really, really good in that game, by the way. He's also never been an NFL starter with an NFL offense to call his own. And I, I see, hear, and read the responses when I've brought this up before, but I'm going to stubbornly stick by this because it's kind of a big deal. There are few team sports on this planet that are more scripted than the beautiful game of football. And there is no more important position on that field than that of quarterback. There is a reason that teams invest an entire offseason or even years, depending on how long a coordinator stays in place, in crafting an offense that is suited toward that quarterback. Hell, they'll even craft the offensive personnel to cater toward how that quarterback plays. Look at Baltimore. For that matter, look at Cincinnati. In fact, look at everyone other than Cleveland. They have a quarterback, they identify the quarterback, and they build an offense around that quarterback. Even in 2019, when Mason took the field, that day in Santa Clara against a 49ers team that would end up going to the Super Bowl, and I was out there and watched this for myself, he almost beat that team, like just rolling out of bed. And the way I see the Steelers approaching this is they've put four years into this guy, they've seen signs, and they want to at least give him one chance, one real chance, before theoretically casting him off or conducting the search for the next franchise quarterback. Because what if, what if he's here? And go ahead and laugh. I, I don't care. I'm not here to be Mason Rudolph's defender. I, I can hear you. I can hear you. He's not my client and I'm not his lawyer. I don't particularly care what anybody thinks of him. But I do see logic in not overspending for a veteran quarterback right now, or really at any point considering some of the gratuitous pricing that's involved, 
I do see a whole lot of common sense in bypassing a quarterback in this draft when you know that next year's got a better class in that regard. Why tie yourself down to a youngster who's going to get instantly declared the next one? Who? Who in this class is going to be that? Malik Willis? Kenny Pickett? Uh Uh-uh. No, sorry. And I'm not saying that to be mean or to tick off Pitt fans. I'm just, you know, we're talking about franchise NFL quarterbacks here. Mason's probably not it yet either. But if they give him a fair chance, while they also bolster other significant shortcomings on the roster, I am okay with that. Because in one order or another, they're going to have to address quarterback, offensive line, defensive line, inside linebacker. From now until the end of time, you will have to draft inside linebackers. There's a lot of work they've got to do here. And Mason's an in-house solution to one of those problems who has not yet gotten a full chance. That's all I'm saying. It's not a matter of settling for, what was the word you used, acceptance. It's not any of that. It's just, this is this is what it is. Is that acceptance? I don't know. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We will do another one tomorrow.